So let's just read a bit of this passage from Hebrews chapter 12. I'm beginning at 20 and reading to verse 24. Just an explanation. Basically, the uh, Hebrew Christians, the Jewish Christians, were finding things really difficult. Life was becoming very hard, and they didn't know what to do. And they were starting to feel like giving up and throwing in the towel and just going back to the way they were. And in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, Paul writes this, and he says, Don't give up! Don't give up! Don't give in. You might, all hell might be hitting you right now. And some of you getting killed. Some of you are being persecuted. Some of you uh, don't know what to do next. You don't know how you'll get through this or how you'll survive. And he gives them two major things in this passage. One, the way to not give up is keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? So if you're feeling like, oh God, I don't know what to do, just say to him, God, will you help me to see Jesus in a fresh way? Will you reveal yourself to me? If you're there, if you're present, I want to hear your voice. I want to see your face. I want to know you to radiate in my life like it first was when I first met you. Because right now, I'm out of strength. There's no petrol in the engine. And I'm living on crumbs. And I need you to visit me. He says, keep your eyes on Jesus. And the other theme that comes through this passage is, just remember, because this will keep you going, just remember, we're going to heaven. Hallelujah. We're going to heaven. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the fact we're on our way to heaven. Hallelujah. You see, if these things fill your heart and your mind, it doesn't matter whether you face hell, uncertainty, difficulty, trial, betrayal, sorrow, and grief. If you can keep your eyes on Jesus, if you can keep your consciousness, you know what? We're going to heaven. You, can, you, you will get through anything. Amen. Just turn to somebody and say, are you going to heaven? Amen. Praise God. This is the secret. And so in that context, I'm reading this very strange verse out the Bible. And the reason it's strange is because it's written to ancient Hebrews who had all sorts of rituals and ways in which they worshipped God. And so he's trying to tell them, look, you're going to heaven. And on the way, you're going to see this. Verse 20, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, 
the heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels, to the assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling, that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now, they're all strange statements to us British people 2,000 years later. But I just want to pick out this whole area of the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than Abel. And then we're going to take, because that blood is the blood of Christ. And when we take communion, it represents us appropriating, taking hold of, receiving from the power of the blood of Christ on the cross. Amen. So at the end of this, we're going to pray for people. But it won't be by our power it will be because Jesus on the cross shed his blood. And right now, he's going to touch your life. Okay? And you're going to see miracles happen. Amen. How many people would like to say a miracle today? Right. Amen. Okay. Let's have a look at this. The blood of sprinkling. It's strange, but... Um, Every civilization, ancient civilization, made sacrifices, whether it's the Maya, whether it's the Greek, whether it's uh, the ancient Egyptians, whether it's the Assyrians, whether it's the Romans. They all killed animals and shed blood. And even in the Bible, right through the history of the Bible, starting right after Adam and Eve sinned, you get uh, Cain and Abel. Uh, the, you can pick on them all. Noah, when he got out of the ark. Um, Abraham, as he was seeking God's face to know what to do next. Um, Moses and the tabernacle in the wilderness. All, all sacrificed. David in the temple. Uh, even John Baptist's parents, I haven't checked this out, but I think even at Jesus' dedication, they would have had to bring pigeons or something like that if they were poor. And it was. It's because the shedding of blood, the Bible says, is the remission of sins. It says because the life is in the blood. So whether you're a Christian uh, or, what, or, or, or all these ancient civilizations used to do this, some of them were really off the planet and wrong. But nevertheless, they caught on to this. Even Muslims do it today. Not, I don't know what happens in, in Britain or in the West, but I know in the East and I know in Africa if you're a Muslim, you sacrifice things. Once we were uh, trapped in Nairobi airport for nearly two days. 
And uh, on our plane, or the plane that didn't arrive, was a Muslim man who actually was like an angel of God to us, looked after us, fed us, and helped us. It was as if God had sent him to help us in that situation. And he said, oh, we were all, we were all registered to go on to Sudan Air. And he, was, he said, this is all my fault, he said. This is all my fault. That's probably why he was feeding us. He felt it was his fault. I said, well, how is it your fault? He said, well, I made an oath to God, he said. I made an oath to God. He said, I, um, I, I've had this problem before with Sudan here, and I made an oath. I'll ne- oh, God, uh, if you get me out of this, I'll never go on Sudan here again. And he said, I went on to Sudan here again, and this is why all this has happened. And he said, and I've prayed now, he said, and when I get back to Sudan, I'm going to kill a a goat and sacrifice so this never happens again. So they still do that. Praise God. Why? Why did they sacrifice? Because some of them wanted to connect with God. When Cain and Abel sacrificed, it's because they'd lost touch. They'd lost touch with God. They were out of the garden. They couldn't hear his voice or see his face anymore. So they started to sacrifice. And then there are other people who who wanted to be healed. So they've made sacrifices. There are people who uh, there was, they felt there was curses on them and they were being attacked. So they made sacrifices. There were some people who wanted their prayers answered. They're calling out to God and they feel they're hitting a brick wall. So they make sacrifices. There's some people that wanted the protection of God on their life. And you can remember the time when uh, the angel of death went over, over the, uh, Egypt. And, uh, and Moses said, look, sacrifice a lamb, eat a nice lamb dinner, and use the blood and put it over the doors. Because when the angel of death comes, they see sees that blood He's going to fly over. Amen. So they they put it on as protection. And there's all sorts of stories there. And then some people, uh, they sacrificed because they needed deliverance. Oh God, will you help us? Will you get us out of this situation? Will you do something for us? The Bible says on numerous occasions and they, they were in their trouble. And perhaps you're going through trouble. And they cried unto God and they heard their cry. Maybe you're crying out to God for yourself or your family or your kids or your situation or your government. And they used to sacrifice. Or they wanted to know that they were going to heaven. And they had eternal life. Maybe you don't know you're going to heaven. 
Maybe if you died next minute, you wouldn't know whether you're going to heaven or hell. So they would sacrifice. But why blood? Why not water? Why not, why not uh, wood? Why not something else that burns? Why, why blood? You know, I was thinking about this, and, and uh, I, I just thought about Elon Musk. You know, because I've got a, a funny brain. That's probably why some of you can relate to me. <laughs> I was thinking about Elon Musk and that Telsa. I mean, he makes spaceships, doesn't he? He makes electric cars. He makes all sorts. He's like a Marvel comic character, and now he's got the blessing of Twitter, hasn't he? But uh, taking that aside, he's an incredible engineer and businessman. And uh, imagine if um, his company genetically engineered a human prototype that had no flaws, never got angry, never got violent, never got greedy, never got nasty. I could be describing you, couldn't I? Imagine if he produced a prototype like that. A prototype that was always loving, always kind, always gracious, always happy. And imagine Elon walking into the factory and he's, he's gone to meet this prototype that they've just built. And he says to the prototype, Let's have a little walk around the factory. And they're walking around the factory and they're looking and said, well, there's the paint department and there's the uh, place where we put you together and there's the place where this happens and this is where we put memory and this is where we put emotion and this is where we put thing and this is where we build this and this is where we build that. And then they walk past a red door and Elon grabs the prototype. said, whatever you do, don't go through that door. Because behind that door is a red button. And if you press that button, you will release a virus that will destroy you and everything around you. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they pressed the red button. They released a virus that affected not only humanity, but everything around it. Every ancient civilization realized that the antivirus was the shedding of blood. But that antivirus was not good enough. The sacrifice of animals 
bulls, sheep, or whatever. It took God in human flesh to come in in Jesus and die on the cross. And when he died on the cross and his blood flowed from him, there was a release of the antivirus of sin, of the antivirus of curses, of the antivirus of sickness, of the antivirus of everything that's contaminated humanity in you and in everything else. When we take communion, when we drink that cup and eat that, that bread, we are saying, God, we receive from what you did on Calvary. And some of us, as we take it, we'll need God to say, God, take this curse off me. There's somebody here with a curse on them. As you take it, say, God, I'm drinking a cup of blessing. There's some of you, when you take it, you might not know God yet, but you're saying, God, I want you to wash away my sin right now, and I want to make a divine connection with you. So as I take this cup and eat this bread, I'm receiving you into my life. I'm receiving you to wash away all the guilt, all the past. And some of you, as you do it, God is going to cleanse you from cleanse you because your spirit's being contaminated it might be polluted but as you take this God's going to wash you clean again you may have been abused but as you take hold of the cup of Christ and the bread say I'm taking this and as I do you're making me clean again maybe something's happened in your life and and uh, since, or something's been spoken into you, or something in your mind, you say, God, as I take this, I'm receiving from you. Isn't it wonderful? Some of you might have a terminal disease. Say, God, as I take this, I want the blood of Jesus to completely heal me. What the Lord said to me recently, and I don't know where it's for, it might be for here today. God wants to heal incurable diseases. So if you've got an incurable disease, I want to pray for you. I feel particularly as well, if you've got, feel that something's sitting on you, I want to pray for you. If you um, feel there's something on you that's um, really affected your life, maybe it's a curse, if you feel that, want to pray for you because you've come here today and you're not going to walk out you're not going to walk out the same amen if you think the problem's just you you're wrong the bible says we're all messed up the virus has hit everybody But Jesus, through dying on the cross, can wash it all away. 
transform our lives. You might think I've wasted time and it's too late and I've tried and whatever. This is a new day for you. Why blood? Why, why blood? Let me, the key is this one. Uh, is when it says there, the, not like the blood of Abel. That's the, that's the key. And I'll finish with this. Um, Cain and Abel made a sacrifice. Cain made a sacrifice of, um, you know, potatoes and tomatoes or whatever, vegetables, whatever. And Abel made a, a sacrifice of a lamb or an animal. And, and it said God, it didn't say God rejected Cain's um, uh, offering, but he preferred Abel's. And that really got to Cain. And he, you see, if things get to you, bitterness gets in, and then your mind gets all twisted up. And then you, you get things out of proportion. And I think that's happening in the royal family right now. Need to pray for them. And he got so wound up and messed, he killed his brother. And then, then something happened to him. And uh, it says he was like a vagabond, a tramp in the earth. And God's voice spoke to Cain and said, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me. One of the reasons, and it isn't the only one, but one of the reasons blood is, is precious to God is it speaks. It has a voice. This is, I, I'd love to, I'll just tell you this story and I, and I need to finish with this. I was um, a student in London. I was uh, an art student. I was on my way to the Tate Art Gallery. And it was about 1973, 74. And I was on the 29 bus, and I was going past the Houses of Parliament, up that way. And, um, and a man got on the bus, and he was, he was in rags, but, he, you know, he was just very smelly, and, and that, it's neither here nor there. And then, as he was getting off, there was a big row broke out. He was shouting at the conductor, shouting. And language was blue and whatever. And there was something in the air that sliced through the air. It was like a demonic thing. So I turned around and eventually the conductor, which goes back away, doesn't it? The conductor threw him off the bus. And as he was getting, as he was standing there and the bus was still stationary, he was cursing, he was cursing. And then he started to speak something. It was clear he'd been either a commander or an officer or a sergeant in the army somewhere in, in, in the world. And he executed people. 
And the Lord said to me, the blood of the people that he executed has presented a curse on him. That's why it's saying there, the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than Abel. Because, you know, we're under a curse. That's why everything goes wrong. There's the devil speaking death over you. To destroy your life, to destroy your kids, to destroy your future, to destroy your dreams, destroy everything. But Jesus speaks better things. And when we take this cup, I wonder if the worship group could come up. When we take this cup, we're drinking in what Jesus speaks. Jesus is not speaking guilt to you. It's not because you've done everything right. Because you haven't. It's not because you've been everything you should have been. But you haven't. But you drink it. You're not coming by your own effort. Or this is what a Christian is. Or merit. You're coming and saying I'm drinking in your life. I'm drinking in you. I'm receiving you. I'm receiving your forgiveness. I'm receiving your healing. I'm receiving your blessing on my life. I'm receiving eternal life. That's why it's so important. These are just symbols to help you to physically help you to affirm your faith. Affirm that you want to know God. We're going to pray right now. And what we're going to do, I'm going to pray a prayer that to say we receive Jesus. That Jesus would wash away our sins. That he'd come into our lives and transform us so that we know we have eternal life in us. And uh, it may well be that you want to make a connection with God. I want you to pray that prayer with me and the church because I'm going to ask the church to pray it out loud. And it may well be that you've had a connection with God, but you've lost that connection, but you want to make that connection again. If you want to do that, we'll pray a prayer and then we're going to have communion. And if you're a person that you either have had a connection with God or you want a connection with God, I want you to come to this table where James will be and we'll administer the wine. This is a symbol of wine, by the way, and bread. But on this table, everybody else, I want you to just uh, take communion and as we take communion, if there is areas of your life like you're sick, I want, we want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. If there's someone with an incurable disease, I want to pray for you. If there's someone feels there's either a curse on you or somebody else, I want to pray with you.
if there's an area where you're feeling under depression, I want to pray with you. I want that pressure to lift off. So after you've taken the bread and the wine from there, just come, I'll be here. James will be there. And uh, we'll pray for you. And my wife will help me. Okay? Will you help me, Sue? Yeah? Let's pray. Isn't it wonderful that although the virus of sin is destroyed, that Jesus died on the cross for you and me, that we would be forgiven, healed, delivered, transformed, favored, because his blood was shed for you and me. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me out loud so you can hear your own voice. You don't have to shout. Just speak it out so as if normal conversation. And I'm asking that church to do that because it's important if you're doing it for the first time. I want to limit any sense of self-consciousness. Don't let self-consciousness prevent you from receiving God and doing amazing things in your life. I want you to say it out loud. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart, you shall be saved. So we're going to pray this prayer and then we're going to worship the Lord. And as we do, just want you to come out. If it's appropriate that side or if it's appropriate this side, uh, you feel free to do that. Let's pray together. Dear God, I want to know you. I want to know the power of your cross. I want to feel the effects of the blood of Jesus to change me, to save me, to heal me, and to forgive me. I open my life to you. I ask you to wash away my sin and come into my life and forgive me and let me know your power and your grace doing amazing things in me. And Lord, I hold out my hands to you for my family and friends that don't know you, that you will visit them too. In Jesus' name, amen.